Welcome to the season one finale of Thy Kingdom Pod, a podcast about living in the unfinished mission of Jesus. We're so glad you've joined us on this podcast journey during the last year, and we eagerly look forward to starting season two later this year. But first, to put a bow on this first series of episodes, we invited Max Wilkins, the president and CEO of TMS Global, along with Rhonda Dolan, our regional director of church culture, as guests. Max and Rhonda came on the show to address this one simple question. What would it look like if the church was unhindered in its ability and willingness to answer the call to make disciples among the nations? To talk about this powerful subject, here are Sonia Pass, Sarah Parham, Rhonda Dolan, and Max Wilkins. I'm really thrilled to have everyone here today. Our podcast theme is the power of an unleashed church. Um, and so I want Max as our president just to share a little bit about our mission statement and why that's so important to us as an agency. Well, thanks, Sarah. It's it's a joy to be with you guys, and I've really enjoyed this first season of the podcast, so it's fun to be a part of it on this uh, ultimate episode of season one. Um, you know that TMS Global exists to mobilize and deploy the body of Christ globally to join Jesus in his mission, and, and we say especially among the least reached peoples. But this part about mobilizing and deploying the body of Christ, we take very, very seriously. And the most significant expression of the body of Christ is the local church or the local faith community gathered. And so, um, you know, it's just vitally important to us to come alongside local churches and local faith communities and help facilitate them joining Jesus in his mission. And it's really important that we're about helping these local congregations join Jesus in his mission. Uh, So we're not coming in trying to coerce churches or or manipulate churches into joining TMS Global in our mission uh, we're trying to empower and facilitate and 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 come alongside and help churches find their place in Jesus's mission and get deeply engaged with that and frankly when we are able to do that we're accomplishing our mission of mobilizing and deploying the body of Christ globally so um it works out well. That's that's so true, Max. I, I can concur with everything you just said. And I think it's interesting that we have been mobilizing churches to own their unique role in the Great Commission for 21 years or more. And that's yes. exciting. Um, in that amount of time, um, we have seen firsthand the power of an unleashed church um, which is the basis of why we wanted to do this particular episode um, today. Well, and really in this past year with the pandemic and shipping container traffic problems and supply demand issues and shortages, um, we have a society, we as a society have realized and have been forced to realize how globally connected we are as people. 
Yeah. And it's been really great to see that the church really isn't stopped by any of that, is it? Like when the church is forced to meet together, the church is actually forced to be the church scattered, which is really, truly what the church started out as, isn't it? Like when we look at the New Testament church in Acts, they were a church that was scattered, which is really, really exciting. Um, So we just really believe that none of this political stuff, all the disasters that we have seen truly and the crises we've seen in the last year cannot stop the church. The church really is um, is the body of Christ in the world. And so we wanted to talk today about what it would look like for a church to be fully unleashed. Um, in the mission world, we use the word mobilized. It just means like really on movement, on mission with God. Um, Max, can you share with us a little bit like what you have seen in, in a church being mobilized, being unleashed? Oh, ab- absolutely. I mean, one of the reasons that I'm with TMS Global today and and all in full heartedly with TMS Global is because going back 20 years ago, I was the pastor of a local church in Florida. I had just arrived as the pastor and um, the church was a good church. They were reaching people, making disciples, but mission was not at the heart of the church. And I, I fundamentally believe, and I think I can make a strong biblical case for the fact that mission is the reason the church exists. A church, if it's not on mission, maybe a lot of things, uh, but it's not a church. At best, it's a vaguely spiritual rotary club. And and look, I've got no issues with rotary. I'm a Rotarian. I love rotary, but and rotary's got its place in the world, but rotary does rotary better than the church. The world doesn't need a vaguely spiritual rotary club. They need the called out people of God to be joining Jesus in his mission. And so I realized coming into this church that we were going to need to be missional. And I heard about this organization, uh, what is today TMS Global, that they came alongside local churches to help this reality happen. So I just called up. And at the time, uh, Dick McLean was running the church ministries program and, and, and helping churches. And Dick said, yeah, I'd be happy to come down and coach you through this. And honestly, Going through this process with TMS Global, it changed everything in the local Mm. church. It unleashed missions in ways that I could not have even dreamed or imagined. And it... There, there was a great missiologist some years ago that says when the tide of missions roll in, all the ships in the harbor rise. And mm-hmm. we found that to be the case. And if you stop back and think about it, it makes perfect sense. People get excited about engaging with a church that's on mission. People find their own personal place in Jesus's mission through the church's engagement with mission. Uh, People are more excited about worshiping when the worship is in part about being empowered by the spirit to get out into the world. People's giving goes up because, as Jesus said, where your treasure is, there's your heart. It also means where your heart is, there's your treasure. Mm. People's hearts are filled uh, with a sense of purpose and the mission of Jesus. Uh, Their wallets get engaged as well. And so we just saw everything come alive in the local church. And we became known throughout the community. People used to talk about 
the the music at our church and the worship being good and all of that. But shortly after we did this mission mobilization, all throughout the community, if people mentioned our church, they would say, oh, that's that church that's all about mission. And it just did my heart so much good to know that people who didn't even worship in our church understood that we were engaged with the mission. But the thing that excites me the most is that our experience was not a one-off or mm. unique experience. Mm. I discovered that this process of coming alongside local churches that TMS Global has been involved with for more than 20 years has been successfully practiced in literally hundreds of churches mm. Uh, small churches, large churches, medium-sized churches, rural churches, suburban churches, urban churches, churches of various different racial and ethnic makeups. And every single time, it's resulted in the unleashing of all of these things in, in the local church. So I, I just I got excited about it 20 years ago, and my excitement has not dimmed at all. It, it's just beautiful to watch the Lord through the power of his spirit, bringing churches alive as they begin to get serious about joining Jesus in his mission. That's awesome. I love that. That's a part of the story of why you're here and why you're leading our organization, really. Um, Sonia and Rhonda, you guys coach churches now. What gets you excited about seeing a church mobilized? Well, I have a similar story as Max's. I actually came from a church that TMS Global had coached, and I just saw the huge difference it made in the life of the church. And for me, one of the things that I love um, when a church starts to get intentional about missions is people start to view their roles within the church differently. Um, they stop coming as consumers, and they really come to the church to be equipped and then go out into where they live, work, and play um, to be on mission. And I love that, how a mindset can start to change within a mm -hmm. congregation and within individuals within that congregation. And now their workplace where they are 40, 50 hours a week, their neighborhood, their soccer team practices, where they have their kids, they all begin to view those through a different lens. And um, the gospel is shared in new and exciting ways. That's awesome. Uh -huh. That, that's so true. I've seen that prayer even starts to become more real mm -hmm. for individuals. I've seen churches who begin to understand um, that they are called to mission, to God's mission and to be on mission. And when they have people to start praying um, in a way that they've never prayed before as it relates to missions, um, I guess you would say that when a church understands its role in missions and they make that the central part of the discipleship experience, then the dynamics in the church immediately start to change. And you see this shift. I know everyone knows this old cliche that says most of the time, 20% um, of the people do 80% of the work. Mm -hmm. um, well, I can tell you when, when missions becomes this central part of this of the discipleship experience and people began to pray into missions, then that shift happens. Um, and we see in churches, and I have seen where 90%, I'm sorry, 80% of the congregation is actually engaged in some way seeking to become more missional um, in their walk with the Lord. And that looks 
in many, it looks like many different ways, but prayer is really um, essential. And that's how I've seen um, this, this Unleashed Church really come into fruition. Yeah, for me, uh, coming to TMS prior to coming to TMS, I worked in campus ministry for 10 years and really saw my role there as raising up the next uh, generation of kingdom workers, really. I mean, I wanted to see uh, students get captured for the kingdom and really be sent out into the whole world, you know, just ready to share the love of God and and advance the kingdom of God in that way. And so being in campus ministry, <laughs> a lot of pastors will see you as the gateway to the next generation in their church. So pastors would come to me all the time and ask, how do we get college students to come to our church? And the first thing I would always answer is said, tell me about your missions program. And they would always kind of look at me kind of funny, like, I said, I want college students. <laughs> so I told them, tell me about your missions program. And, and they, they kind of didn't get it. But really the point is that if you as a church are willing to uh, send people, you'll get young people. Young people want to be about something that is bigger than themselves. Truly everyone does. But when you're at this point in college, college, which College ministry was my passion. Is it sort of is my passion? I I just love the sending nature of capturing people's hearts. So uh, they're really digging in right in that moment of who they are, what they're going to be, uh, how they're going to live their life, what they're going to live it for. And man, and Christian college students really, really want to live for the kingdom. So I used to always ask, and and this is the point that churches would be sending, not just building up their own empire, not just, you know, biggering and biggering, but um, actually sending and sending. And so that's actually my favorite part of an unleashed church is when they are sending from their own congregations. It does tend to grow a church when they're on fire mm. for mission. It does. It brings life. And that influences the church and it grows the church, but I love the sending aspect of it too. Um, you I know, Sarah, <laughs> the, the, the fundamental question that the pastors were asking you um, gives an understanding that it's, that it's the wrong focus. Hmm. Churches hmm. are asking, how can we get people to come to our church? They're asking the wrong question. When the question yeah. becomes, how can we help people be more fully devoted followers of Jesus and join him in his mission? As they solve that question, the question of how to get people to come to the church will solve itself because yes. people will come to the church if you've cracked the nut of how to help them be fully formed followers of Jesus and join him in his mission which can't happen outside of mission, right? We can't just right. be disciples who aren't acting and that acting out is participating in God's mission. Yeah. You know, yeah. I've said, I've said every five-year-old understands that if you're going to play, follow the leader, you've got to get up out of your chair. When Jesus says, come follow me, mm. it, it's a given <laughs> That yeah. following him means you're going somewhere. You're not. There's movement. The you're not still. Yeah. yeah. Max, I once had a pastor say, I thought I had a missions problem I had to solve and a discipleship problem I had to solve. And he mm -hmm. said, after going through this coaching, now I realize I have one thing, missions and discipleship, and it's one great opportunity for my church. Praise God. Yes. Wow. That's it. So all of this seems so very exciting. We don't like understand why any pastor wouldn't get involved, right? Like why, why not take off right now? Um, but, you know, having done 
this coaching, you guys have seen the most commonly perceived hurdles for mission engagement. And what are they? Fill in finances. Finances. Yes. We don't have enough to give. And there's one other one. People. 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 Yes. Yeah. We don't have enough people to get involved. So what would we say um, to a church? I would say they actually have everything they need already within their church to reach their neighborhoods and the nations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I'd love to talk about that people piece. I think we make uh, one huge mistake as churches. And that is we ask people, are you called to missions? Mm -hmm. And by asking them, are you called to missions? We've now given them the opportunity to say yes or no. Mm -hmm. And we've set it up that they have an option to opt out of the great commission. We should be asking our people, how are you called to missions? Because as followers of Jesus Christ, we are called to be engaged in his work around this world. And so just by changing the question in the church, um, churches will begin to see a huge difference. And the beauty is when you start setting the table so that people understand that they have a place in this Mm -hmm. mission story, then as a church, whether you are the three-year-old or um, the 87-year-old. I mean, I've seen 87-year-olds who needed two hip replacements and a knee replacement, and they still had an active part in what God was doing around this world. And um, Sonia referred to it before, this whole adage of, yeah, 20% of people do 80% of the work. But I have seen churches that when they get intentional about missions, 80% of the congregation is then engaged in missions some way, and it completely changes the life of the church. So it's a bigger understanding of people's roles and, and then really doing some strategic planning to make sure that everybody has a way that they can engage. You yeah. know, I think there's, a, there, there's another issue as well, which is that so many churches view missions as one among many programs of the church. So we've got youth ministry, mm-hmm. we've got singles ministry, we've got worship ministry, we've got all these things. And then over in the corner, we've got missions ministry. Um, there needs to be a fundamental re-understanding, um, an awareness that Mission is not a program of the church. Mission is the reason the church exists. And so mission is at the center, the mission Mm -hmm. of Jesus. And every programmatic thing needs to be informed and driven and flow out of that mission. So your youth ministry needs to be an expression of the mission and the youth need to be on mission and singles ministry and worship ministry and everything in the church. And I think when, when there's this mind shift and a lot of churches honestly need someone to come alongside them and help them uh, uh, articulate and achieve this mind shift. But when the mind shift of looking at mission as a program versus looking at mission as the heartbeat and the and the center out of which everything else flows. When that takes place, um, a lot of the objections begin to fade away because they don't make any sense if mission is the heart of the church. Yeah, that's really good. 
The other piece we mentioned as being a big hurdle is finances. Max, I know you have some stories to tell from your years about that. Well, uh, you know, it's... (laughs) It's absolutely incredible because every pastor, and and I would include myself in that, I think in the back of our minds think, oh, you know, we've got this. People will say the pie is only so big and you can only cut so many slices. But that is a that's a worldly mentality that never plays out in the kingdom. Uh, God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Um, God's resources are unlimited. And we have seen time and time again that when churches get serious about this mission and get serious about giving their people a clear pathway to sow their resources into the mission, it's not just that giving to the mission increases exponentially and it does Every single time we do this process, I mean, those numbers are incredible. Just as a case in point, my the, my, the local church that I was talking about 20 years ago that did this, uh, prior to us doing this mobilization process, the mission budget in the church, and this was a large church, the mission budget was $23,000 a year, a line item in the budget, and they were sending $25 a month to dozens of people all over the place. Our first faith promise commitment, which was the culmination of this process that that we went through, um, Dick McLean had asked us to set a goal, and I didn't have any idea how to set a goal. So I just said, "Well, seventy-five thousand dollars. You know, that's three times what we've been doing, and then some." And Dick said, "Yeah, that'd be a, probably be a pretty good goal." Our first faith promise commitment to the mission of Jesus was $829,000. And I'm a little bit of a math wonk, and I think God did this on purpose because that church was 11 years old at the time. And when we got that $829,000, I literally sensed the voice of God saying to me, you wanted $75,000, and I've had $75,000 for every year of pent up demand when you wouldn't give my people a clear pathway to give into this mission because 75,000 times 11 is 825,000. <laughs> okay, Lord, I get it. I get it. But the thing is when, even as I tell that story, I'm sure some people are listening and going, okay, yeah, so that was your experience. But I mean, what's the normative experience? Mm-hmm. We see this experience over and over again, everywhere. But here's the thing. There's a principle called the five pockets of giving principle. And essentially, it says that people in in a church have resources in up to five pockets. Uh, Some have money in the capital improvement pocket. And if your church is going to build a building, people have some money in that pocket and they'll put it towards that. Others have for basic operations and, and they'll put that there. But mission is one of those pockets of giving. And the reality is 
that no amount of pressuring people to give to something different will release the money that people have in that mission pocket. Hmm. If you don't give people the opportunity to give into the mission, they will take the money they have in that mission pocket and sew it into the mission some other way in some other place, or they'll keep it in that pocket. But they're not going to give it to the building program or to pay the light bill because it's not in that pocket. Well, I explained to the elders of the church that I was leading this five pockets of giving theory because my elders were undone. When we when we got $829,000 pledged for mission, the lead elder in my church said, Pastor, I hope you're happy. And I said, well, I am. I'm rejoicing. And he said, well, <laughs> I, 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 I'm glad you're rejoicing because I know for a fact that you've just destroyed our operational giving and you can forget about this $6 million building campaign we wanted to go into this fall because there's no way. Much you, less your salary, right? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, so I explained again, the five pockets of giving theory and this elder said to me, well, that you might've read that in a book somewhere and that might sound great in an academic institution, but this is the real world and you just can't divert that much money and expect that it's not going to tank everything else. Well, fast forward about three years later and over that three years, we had not only had a successful capital campaign that, that, that went really well and the buildings were, were up, but, um, our operational giving had risen. Uh, our missions giving was still just off the charts. And I was sitting in an elder meeting one night and this same elder looked at me and said, um, by the way, before we finish tonight, I have to make a public apology. Mm. He said, you know, I ridiculed Pastor Max three years ago when he talked about this five pockets of giving thing. He said, I just did not believe it would work. And he said, time has proven that he was right. Hmm. And what I said was wrong. And God is just simply bigger than I was giving God credit for being. And, cool. uh, you know, I, what, what gave me great joy was not the fact that he was saying that I was right, but the fact that he was recognizing that kingdom principles around resources and giving are not worldly principles. God is able to deliver the resources for churches that want to live into the mission of Jesus. And it's it's just a false objection. We've got 20 years for, worth of data now to mm. look at from local churches, and we can demonstrate we have never, never seen a local church get this bump in mission giving and have a subsequent decline in their operational giving. It The operational giving either stays the same or it rises along with the mission giving, but we don't have a single instance where we've seen it go the other direction. Wow, Max, I, you're, you are dead on. Um, and, and for our listeners out there who listen and who are stuck at the 829,000, <laughs> uh, just a few months ago, uh, Rhonda and I, both all of us, we were with a church um, up north and their mission budget every year was a, about $10,000. Mm -hmm. And out of faith, promise giving, an individual stepping out on faith and believing God to provide, 
that mission budget went from $10,000 a year to almost $50,000 a year. And so it can happen. Um, As we talk about the biggest hurdles for individuals, no matter the size of your congregation or the number of people that you have, um, when we talk about people and finances being a hurdle, I think that the issue can be answered with three things, and that's vision, strategy, and communication. I think those three things are incredibly significant um, in moving a congregation to a place where they can have a DNA of missions at their heart and at the core of who they are. It's interesting, as as I have had the opportunity to coach churches, Um, I'm learning more and more that a great focus has been on the doing. What can we do? And when we focus on the do, I think we lose sight of the why. It's the why that that enables us to do. It's the why that gives us the energy um, for the do. And it Mm -hmm. shapes our direction. And as we look at that in whatever church, whatever denomination, whatever size, we have seen God do unbelievable things. And I know the question for many is, okay, so for this past year, we've had to pivot. There's been a lot of things going on, but let me tell you what we are seeing as churches are transitioning back and as they are preparing to get back into their their sanctuaries and some are already there. And as they're preparing to kind of feel their way through to this new norm, it is those churches that we are working with who are focused on the vision, the why Mm -hmm. that are better equipped to move into whatever the new norm is. Because I'll tell you, when you know your why, you can pivot and adjust and create, recreate a strategy to fit the vision. And so that's what we're seeing. And that's what we're believing um, is the solution, having a vision, having strategy and communicating that well in moving individuals away and churches and ministries, moving them through the two biggest hurdles that we're seeing. It's so true. As churches are like trying to figure out how to be a new thing right now, every single church, I think we've said like every business is a startup. Every church is a church plan. Every church is trying to figure out how to do church in this new way. So what a better time than to really reorient our church's vision around mission, around the mission of God being the focus of everything we do is so, so important. Um, I I know that every church really thinks um, and is doing something in missions right now. Every um, Every church has something going on and has a heart for that. Um, I also know that every pastor has a dream of what they could see happen in their churches. Um, I think it's the the gap between what is right now and what could be uh, that pastors sometimes just don't, we just don't know. Individual folks, we don't even know. So um, I'm really grateful for TMS Global in the way that like they have resources that are super practical. There's the the nitty gritty of how to get it done. Um, how to get from point A to point B. Um, so yeah, I just want to I want y'all get you guys to brag on some of the programs, share some of the things that we do that gets uh, churches and pastors from point A to point B. Yeah, I I love the programs and the tools that we have, and um, many that have just evolved over the past year. But I'll start with 
one opportunity that um, historically has shaped who we are in church culture and even um, in TMS Global. Um, our Activate Training Workshop, it has been around for a while. It has evolved and changed to meet the needs um, of uh, those that we serve and walk alongside with. Historically, that has been a five-hour visioning event, an in-person workshop where we would literally come to the church and walk through these um, four steps of what it means to become missional as we look at the mission of God and look at what's really going on in the world and identifying specific shifts that a church would need to make in order to become more missional. And finally, you know, introducing a six-part mobilization plan for that church. I can tell you, um, if, it's, if there's one thing I'm grateful for over the past year, um, as it relates to COVID, only one, and that is that it has given us the opportunity to recreate and to dream in ways that we haven't before. And so mm-hmm. with Activate, we've had so many virtual events where it has been presented as a Bible study series or a lunch and learn series over five weeks rather than a one day event. And after that, even preparing for for our coaching um, that immediately follows in this activate coaching model. And so that's a way to help a church become more missional to introduce missions if they're not on mission um, and even to help to engage the entire congregation. So I would start with our our activate coaching model. Yeah. And what I do love about Activate Coaching is that it is so highly personalized to each church. This is not just a, here's this box product we come and and give you and then we leave. We walk alongside churches um, for a year and a half, two years, two and a half years, whatever your church needs um, to make it customized around what you need. Um, we we don't know your context like you know your context. And so I love that we get to just walk alongside churches in that way. Um, activate is, um, I love when I get to do Activate with churches, both the workshop and the coaching that follows. Um, one of the other things that I'm really excited about too is our mission leader cohort. We're actually in the middle of our second mission leader cohort. And we are um, launching our third in the fall. This is for mission leaders of churches who have been engaged deeply in missions for a while. And just as you get more engaged in missions, the kind of questions that you start asking, they begin to change. Um, We meet um, monthly via Zoom, and then we end our cohort time with a trip abroad somewhere to really be able to talk through some deep issues um, with some nationals and some mission partners that are on the field. Um, I love this because it's a, while it's a great uh, place for resourcing, it's just a place for mission pastors to find this camaraderie and this peer group that supports them um, and helps to answer tough questions. This was actually born out of what I wished I'd had when I was a mission pastor. I searched for something like this. And so I'm so grateful that when I um, joined the team at TMS Global, I was given the green light to go ahead and have this uh, mission leader cohort. And it's been amazing. I've loved all the participants and the feedback that we've been getting back from the participants has been really great. Um, also, Rhonda, does, oh, does yeah. someone does someone have to be 
uh, an ordained pastor or, or or technically have the title of missions pastor to participate, or can uh, lay mission leaders in the local church sign on? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. No, no ordination or offici- officialness is that a word <laughs> required? Um, we just ask that you are the the main leader of missions in your congregation. Um, because the group is unique to them, but yes, you don't have to have official title um, or anything like that. Um, one of the other things that we've started this year, um, Sonia's launched our pastor vision cohort. And again, it's the same principle as the mission leader cohort, but a place for senior pastors who are looking to lead their churches um, into some more intentionality in missions um, can come together and they have times together um, in person. In fact, um, a few weeks from this broadcast, they'll be gathering in North Carolina together, but then also um, monthly Zoom times. And again, um, the peer relationships and just the feeling of these people know me, they know my situation. I don't have to explain what it's like to be a senior pastor trying to lead a congregation. Um, There's a lot of value in that. So I love our cohorts that we're creating, and I'm so excited about how God has used them to really help leaders lead better. I would say that for our Pastors Vision cohort, um, we will have our second round starting in September, on September 8th. Um, And so registration will begin in August and all of the information is out there on the website for those who might be listening and may be interested in joining our Pastor Vision cohort during the next round. And what is the website, Sonia? www.tms-global.org. And you can do backslash Pastor's Vision cohort and get immediately to that page for the cohort, or if you leave the cohort portion off, then it connects you directly to TMS Global, and you can see all that we are and what we have to offer there. And pastors who are listening in as as one of your fellow uh, pastors, I'm aware that one of the deeply held tragic secrets of the pastoral ministry is that most pastors live their whole pastoral journey without any deep covenantal pastoral friendships, uh, without the come alongside things. And, you know, the... um, the, the first not good in scripture, after God declaring everything very good, he said, but it's not good for mm. human beings to live alone. And one of the great pieces of, of uh, the pastor's cohort and the mission leader's cohorts is that TMS Global's value of people in community is being expressed in real intentional ways in this. And we're getting reports from participants that they're drawing as much value from uh, from the community engagement and the iron sharpens iron factor of being together in these cohorts as they are from the content. And, And both are valuable. So if you're a pastor or a missions leader listening to this, I just want to almost plead with you um, to to jump into this or some kind of cohort where you can get that iron sharpens iron community. And um, it's critical. 
That's awesome. I want to speak a little bit more to our Activate coaching. So we kind of hinted at this Activate workshop. And really, this workshop is the launch into a coaching, uh, individual coaching that lasts anywhere from one to three years. And in that coaching is where we really give you the practical tools to take your church um, through a visioning process to understand how God has distinctly gifted your church. You have particular resources inside your church, um, and we want to help you kind of mine that out within your own church to discover what God has uniquely given you as a church, um, to discover how to put that into place, to give you really practical tools, even down to like policies and guidelines. Um, some of the not so fun stuff that really actually um it really opens up your church to be able to be really meaningful, meaningfully involved. It, these are the things that actually open up the church so that every single individual can be involved in missions. Um, and we even coach you into a plan to ensure that every person in your congregation has the opportunity to discover their own personal place in what God is calling your church to do. Uh, so that coaching takes uh, anywhere from a year to three years, really, to walk through each of the six steps of the mobilization plan, um, including a strategy for prayer for your church. It really goes into all the practical things that we kind of hinted at in this podcast. So if you are interested in your church moving forward in missions, if you guys have a heart for missions, if you, even if, I mean, doing missions now, um, not brand new to it, but really think there's something more and really could do it more strategically and get more people in your, in your congregation involved. Activate coaching is really great for you. So we've also discovered, as I mentioned, the uh, power of the cohort model. And so for the first time ever, we are going to offer our Activate coaching and a cohort model starting this fall. So if you really want to discover how to do that alongside other churches, uh, then check it out. I, I believe the link will be in our link tree, um, but you can, again, go to www.tms-global. Uh, org backslash churches. And you'll actually find on that page, all of the offerings that we have for our churches. Um, and yeah, look for the activate cohort there. Um, we're going to open it up for questions from those of you who are joining us live. Um, so feel free to type it in the chat, wherever you are, if you're on Facebook or on YouTube, wherever you're watching, um, type in your questions for, for us now. Um, while y'all are doing that, I just want to share that we have been working so hard over the last year, knowing that churches are struggling to discover new things. Uh, we've just been learning and growing alongside you and um, offering new different ways for uh, to resource churches. We are actually in the middle of creating a a small group curriculum called Who Is My Neighbor? We're hoping that it will launch in 2022. It'll be a video-based Bible study curriculum um, teaching uh really practical skills on neighboring well for the sake of the kingdom, how to um, discover the gospel of the kingdom, how to discover biblical hospitality with your neighbors, and discovering bridges to kingdom conversations um, that can happen in your backyard, on your front porch, in your living room. Uh, so we're in the middle of creating that. We also are in the middle of creating some short-term team training materials. So if your church is getting ready for a short-term team trip, um, we have we will have resources available very soon um, for your leaders to utilize. Um, this podcast is another way that we're wanting to resource your church. Um, we've really focused in this podcast, uh, Thy Kingdom Pod, is like, your kingdom come here and now, Lord Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so um, we've really intentionally focused this um 
to be something that people can live out in their everyday life. So um, if you haven't been joining us from the very beginning, go back and listen through the podcast, share it with your churches, um, share it with the people. Uh, we want this to be a resource for, for your church, for the kingdom. Um, we, we also have a program called Thrive, which is for the health and well-being of pastors, connecting pastors in the United States with pastors globally, and for them to learn and grow together and how to not just survive ministry, but to thrive in it. Um, so yeah, we have quite a few things going on uh, inside inside TMS Global, and we really love to be able to come alongside your church um, and resource your church. Sonia, do we have any questions coming in? Absolutely. I'll, I'll get to this question, and I think Max is going to answer this question for us. But before I read it, I think it's really important to say um, to our listeners um, that the programs and the tools that we offer are not denominationally driven. Right. Um, and so it is available for any and everyone. I'll give you a great example. Just with the Pastors Vision cohort alone, <laughs> um, we have what six different denominations represented through those pastors. Um, and they are across seven different states. And so the beautiful thing about being able to do some things virtually and just how we seek to come alongside people, we don't um omit people or not allow people to be a part of just because of your particular denomination. And so thought it important to just put that out there in case you're wondering. I want to jump to this first question that we have here. This is the question, Max. I go to a church that doesn't really get missions. I'm not on staff. How do I get missions going? Wow. That, that's a really good question. And, um, you know, I'm I'm thinking about a, a woman named Jan that uh, I have known for for a number of years. Jan was going to a vibrant church in Southwest Florida. Uh, Jan's church was doing lots of things, and they really even were engaged in mission locally in Southwest Florida. They had some some things going on. But, you know, when we're talking about joining Jesus in his mission, we're talking about an Acts 1-8 mission. Jesus said, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, and to the outermost parts of the earth. And he didn't say Jerusalem or Judea, or he didn't say Jerusalem, then Judea. He, he, he said it, it, it's all together. And so, you know, Jerusalem is your local community, wherever your faith community is located. And Judea is, is your region or among your nation or whatever. And Samaria, the Samaritans were the people that that you know the Jewish people would rather walk around than go through. They'd walk through the desert for several days out of their way to keep from having to go through Samaria. So we asked the question, who is it in your world that you'd rather walk around than go through? And the answer for that question is different in different communities, mm -hmm. but those populations always exist. And then the ends of the earth is just what it says. It's everywhere else. So Jan realized that their church was not an Acts 1-8 missional church, that while they were doing some stuff in the community, they were ignoring Judea, Samaria, and the outermost parts of the earth. And she discovered this Act of 8 
material. Um, it was called something different back then, but the same same basic concept. And she became excited about what the church could be, but she was getting resistance um, because the pastors of the church just weren't interested. They were kind of just pushing her off and saying, and there was no real passion within the, the church for this, but the passion kept building and building in Jan. And one day, and uh, she tells the story, and I am very, very good friends with the man who was and still is the senior pastor of the church she was going to at the time. And he told me later that Jan finally went into his office one day and she had printed out materials about the Activate Conference and she slammed them down on his desk and she said, Pastor, listen to me. We are going to do this and you're going to participate and don't tell me you don't have time because I will take responsibility for all the leadership that's necessary to see this happen. All you have to do is participate, but this is not optional. We're going to do this. And so, no jam. Said, well, well, okay then, but, uh, you know, I'll, I'll participate. You, you lead it and we'll see. And then the spirit did his work at the Activate Conference, that pastor actually gave testimony at a recent event that we had. This was 21 years ago. And the pastor gave testimony at an event just a couple of months ago that TMS Global had that God used that Activate Conference uh, to pierce his heart. Hmm. And he got up in front of his congregation the next Sunday and said, I have to confess to you that I have not been obedient to the Lord in leading this church to join Jesus in an Acts 1-8 mission. And from that day forward, the church was launched in. But you can go all the way back to the passion of Jan, who mm -hmm. just mm -hmm. said, this is the reason the church exists, and I'm not accepting no for an answer. I'll step up and I'll lead, but we're going to do this. Now, I will say for everyone listening, if you absolutely cannot get the pastor on board, it's almost impossible to engage the whole church in mission. So mm. it really is important through through prayer, through witness, through example, through more prayer to do whatever you can do uh, to get the pastor on board because the pastor is a shepherd of the flock and the flock generally does not go where the pastor won't go. Um, but I know from personal experience working with many people through the years, it is possible to reach the heart of even the most hard-hearted of pastors in this area. And, and prayer is a big help. That's that's so awesome, Max. You've actually just uh, began to answer um, the next question that we have. Um, and I'll read it for, for our listening audience. I'm a small town pastor in a rural area. Can my church really have an impact? And I think you just began to answer it. Um, the only thing that I would add, I would highlight that you said um, that the Holy Spirit um, is the one that makes the move, that makes the difference. And the awesome thing about our training is that we do not prescribe. It's not a cookie cutter model. Um, we, we provide the tools and the resources 
and with prayer and seeking the Lord, then it grows into the ministry that the Lord would have for your particular church. Um, and so, yes, your church can indeed have an impact. Um, Sarah, yeah. I yeah, I do want to speak to that a little bit. Um, yeah. Being in campus ministry for 10 years, so we had churches that would be mission partners with us. We would be the mission of that church. And that's really the aim of any campus ministry is truly to be the mission of the church, not to replace it. But in campus ministry, we would have some larger churches who would support the campus ministry. And then we had the smaller rural churches that would invite us out and they would have meals and they would invest in the students and really care and love and go deep. So I feel like rural churches and and smaller, small town pastors, small rural, you actually have a particular gift in being small, in being rural, that you Mm. are able to really go deep with your mission partners in ways um, that larger churches uh, can miss out on. I'm not saying that they can't do it, but you have this gift and some your limitations come with a gift Um, Mm. because you're limited. You can only do a few things, but your heart is for big things. So you take that big heart and pour it deep into those few things and you'll make a huge impact. And I I mean, I can just say that from the students that that still go back and visit those churches, these rural small town churches in Kentucky, my students who graduated will go back and visit because it meant so much that these churches invested in them. uh, Yeah. During their college years. Well, Sarah, Sarah, I I have to tell this, tell this story because, uh, you know, God doesn't need what you don't have. God can use Mm. what you do have. Mm -hmm. A small rural church still has everything it needs to join Jesus in his mission because God wants to use what we do have. We worked with a, a tiny little church in the middle of nowhere in rural Florida and helped mobilize them for mission. And what they've done has just been incredible. But the one story that that just blew my mind was this is a cow town. Everybody in town has some connection with cattle. And they discovered as they launched into mission that the cattle people in Afghanistan were having trouble with their cattle because of problems with the war. And one of the cowmen in this congregation felt the call of God to go to Afghanistan and work with these cattle people to help them uh, figure out how to work their cows during this war environment. (laughs) The church got behind him and supported him in this. And he was going right into the middle of the war zone as an overt believer in Jesus and going into Muslim, intensely Muslim cattle farms and helping these people with their cattle and telling them about Jesus and, and bringing some of them to, to faith in Jesus. And this was all out of this this tiny rural congregation in the middle of nowhere who had questioned when we talked about mobilizing them for mission well, what what do we have to offer? What can we do? Mm-hmm. Trust me, you bring God what you have, God can use it. That's yes. right. Yes. That's amazing. Thank you again for listening to Thy Kingdom Pod. If you liked this show, please rate and review on whatever platform you're listening and tell a friend. 
to find out more about TMS Global, our ministries, and the ways that you can support them, you can go to our website at tmsglobal.org. That's tms-global.org. Also, you can go follow us on social media. We're on Facebook and Instagram at TMS Global, but spelled without the A. That's T-M-S-G-L-O-B-L. Thanks, and we'll see you next episode.